Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This summer, Sprite is bringing you the Live from the Label Tour, featuring live stream concerts from your favorite hip-hop artists, including Lotto, Saweetie, and Jack Harlow. Need a ticket? Just buy a Sprite bottle and scan the label. Scan three bottles and see three of this summer's hottest shows. We causing a commotion. Brought to you by Sprite. Get your ticket to Sprite's Live from the Label Tour when you purchase a 20-ounce Sprite or Sprite Zero Sugar at your nearest retailer. Copyright 2021, the Coca-Cola Company. All rights reserved. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans achieve their home financing goals. Whatever freedom means to you, Freedom Mortgage has custom loan options to meet your needs, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, MLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing. Equal housing opportunity. What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl, the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. All right, thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get the podcast, we greatly appreciate it. My co-host, Johnny Page, with me, it's Connor Miles here. We have a great guest with us today. It's Bleeding Green Nations, Brandon Lee Gowden. Uh, Brandon, BLG, is Johnny's boss, as everybody does know. So uh, you can, <laughs> everybody finds Johnny's work on Bleeding Green Nation as well. So everybody knows who Bleeding Green Nation is. Everybody knows BLG uh blg thanks for coming on the show man thanks for having me guys that's how people refer to me in the uh you know in public johnny's boss that's that's my official Johnny, title. johnny page's boss i like it yeah, yeah. No, to be honest he's, he's not he's not doing a very good job because i think i've written about three articles in about three years so uh i think the boss needs to have some words because my my uh, my time management has been not very good the last few years but i thought i thought your film reviews this off season were good yeah i've got about four it's four more than last yeah, year yeah so. i'm gonna say like you did you did a good enough work for me to talk about it on the podcast this off season so far so i yeah. think he's on a good enough job being your boss <laughs> i'm I also disappointed uh tyler's right. here too because tyler's a big fan of me i know he never gets mad at me for, <laughs> for tweeting about Nelson. Uh, oh yeah <laughs> I, I, I mentioned hey. that to, to uh, connor in the dms before i said mm. you know tyler said uh i don't think he's a, the biggest blg fan in terms of the uh, positivity on blg's twitter mm. but i think uh tyler's i think we see with tyler tyler on twitter and tyler on the podcast two very different people which is good i think it's very straight talking <laughs> I think he's coming around a little bit. He's starting to come around because we had Joe uh, Giulio on the show, and uh, Tyler said some nasty things about him on Twitter back in the day, and now and now they follow each other and continue DMing to this day. So there you uh, go. I, we bring in the peace. That's all we like to do here. At Eagles. Next Ball. up, it will be an ESP on here with me, but I think I followed him <laughs> a few years ago, so I'm not even sure I see what he's tweeting anymore. Yeah, but so I don't think but ESP. Said, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the show because training camp is underway. Very exciting time right now. Uh, BLG, I just want to start you off the bat. 
Who's surprising you so far? Because it's such an unorthodox training camp. We obviously know because coronavirus is going on. Uh, you put out the training camp notes that everybody reads, so I don't really want to go into all the details. It's just you regurgitating your info. I just want to know, who does BLG surprised about so far two days into it? Yeah, I don't know if I've been shocked by anyone in the sense of, like, I thought someone was going to, like, suck and look great or just, you know, look mediocre and look great. But I would say, like, the guys who are standing out are – and encouragingly so, like the young guys. I mean, you have Jalen Hurts uh, looking good, um, really like You can just see he's talented. Like, he has the speed. When he takes off running, he's really fast. The mobility is there. He's looking really good in the red zone today as we record this on Tuesday, August 18th. Um, you have Jalen Rager, who really didn't stand out as much to me on day two, but looked really good on day one. Um, just looked like he belonged for sure. And that's, that's what I wanted to see out of him coming into camp. I was kind of, uh, I wasn't really like concerned about that necessarily, but that was like the big test I wanted to see because I mean, let's face it, the guys are counting on him in a big way this year. Uh, you know, whether Deshaun is healthy or goes down or not, like, you know, Rager's a projected starter in the starting lineup. And sure enough, he was with the, with the first team alongside Greg Ward and uh, Deshaun Jackson. So good to see the rookies playing well early on. That's that's a huge thing too because I think that's what the the with this coronavirus going on we're all worried about what rookies are going to translate. Should we even give them like some asterisks next to their rookie year? So to hear like that you're impressed with them right off the bat with uh, such a weird offseason going on that that's that's good for me because like you just said they're going to rely on Jalen Rager a lot and another guy they rely on a lot that I think from the rookie class could be Kayvon Wallace. So uh, and I know you put in your notes that you, you, he's only made like one play so far the interception that he had uh, today on Tuesday. But uh, it's good to hear that you think that they're up to speed like that, especially when I think quarterback two situation is not as clear as what we what we make it out to be. I know the experience of Nate Sudfeld is probably going to trump uh, then experience of Jalen Hurts when it comes to the depth chart. But, I mean, if Carson once goes down, you don't know what you have in either quarterback no matter what at the end of the day. So uh, I, it's good to hear that Jalen Hurts is adjusting right away so far. Yeah, <clears throat> and then on Sudfeld, um, it's just that, like, it's not that Nate Sudfeld ever looks bad, but he never looks like great or, or even like really good either. Uh, and right. that's something with Jalen Hurts where you can, you can just see his talent is on display and he's making flash plays. And he's not perfect. He's he's definitely had a bunch of rookie mistakes in here through an interception today, although it was kind of more so on the uh, wide receiver's fault falling down. Uh, uh, John Hightower, and he, but he had some incompletions too, and he almost got picked off by Russell Douglas at one point. So you know, I don't want to paint the picture here that like Jalen Hurts is like letting the world on fire; he's unstoppable. But uh, but yeah, I, I definitely I think it could be a situation where if Carson Wentz is going to miss a significant amount of time, I mean, then Hurts, I mean Hurts is probably the guy. Although you know, if it's a short amount of time and it's early in the season, you know, Sudfeld might be that number two. But I mean, if Hurts is going to keep looking good, it's going to be hard for the team to keep him off the field. Yeah, that's cool. I think me and Connor spoke a lot about that as well. We sort of never really expected Hurts to push a number two. But just when you read sort of stuff that people say, I think the athleticism stands out so much. I think actually I'm sort of changing my tune a little bit on that because I get the feeling like what is the point of playing Sudfeld, to be completely honest? I know some people, I don't mean that's been negatively about Sudfeld, but the more I think about it, I think the coaches might like him. But realistically, you're not gonna. He's not gonna be a starter next year. You're not gonna get any real trade value for him. If he plays really well, then keep him in. But if it's not going well, I could actually see a situation. And we're talking here. Uh, hopefully, you know, Wentz doesn't go down. But if he ever did, uh, I know 
when we speak about Wentz, uh, I will point out I don't think he's injury prone. And I think you had a good podcast, uh, BLG, you beat us to it <laughs> with uh, the football injury doctor of fantasy points. We spoke about Wentz not being injury prone. So I think we're just sort of pointing out hard fetical so, you know, players can get injured. Uh, I wanted to ask you, not actually specifically on Rager, but I sort of two questions. Uh, firstly, just quickly, on the young wide receivers, it seems like Quez Watkins is getting a little bit of buzz. Um, what have sort of him and Hightower looked like? Cause I think they're two, um, unfortunately, in many ways, sort of big players for the Eagles this year. How, have they stood out to you at all? Their speed is something you can clearly notice straight off the bat? Or Yeah, uh, hi, uh, let me start with Watkins. Quez Watkins, his speed definitely apparent. He burned. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I can't Oh, it was. I can't remember who it was. But he, I think it might have been Rizal. He, he burned someone today. But probably probably Rizal. Rizal. Yeah, probably should just go with that. Uh, Carson, uh, throw was a little too far out in front. But I want to point out that it's significant. I feel like that Carson Wentz has been targeting Quez Watkins a lot. The two had worked out together in Houston, uh, you know, back before, way before training camp even started. So it seems like they kind of have a chemistry already, which is good and encouraging. Um, Hightower, haven't noticed him as much with the ones, I guess, and but has been active. He had a, a good catch to end practice, really both today and monday as well um he's he's able to get dpb he, he roasted uh Rizzo douglas on monday <clears throat> and they've been having some good battles those two guys Rizzo douglas and hightower there's there's been a fair share where uh Rizzo has won as well he, he's got some pass breakups so uh, good things from both of those guys early on you know i'm still kind of skeptical about you know how much they're actually going to be able to contribute just when you look at the historical kind of precedent for those day three guys and just really when you look at eagles history i mean how many day three eagles wide receivers like in history, can you really name that were these meaningful contributors? So, but you know, with that said, um, good flashes early on and uh, encouraged so far, definitely. Good. I think that's it's sort of important. I think we spoke, I mean, we've all heard a lot about the wide receiver position. I know you spoke a lot about it. I think you have a similar opinion of myself um, where I've been slightly more negative about what the Eagles have done just because, and I'm sure if you've read BLG's <laughs> Twitter, you know this, that you don't think they've done enough. And I agree with you. I've said a lot of the time, for me, exactly what they've done is fine. I just wanted one more. Like I know people, I know he's not a particularly fancy name, but like a Brashard Perriman, would just it would make me feel a lot more confident right now if you knew you had him lining up outside as well. Um, the one thing I was going to ask about, because obviously you've seen Watkins and Hightower, not much. Um, we saw, I mean, I sort of forget, I've forgotten about him. I know others haven't, but um, I know he's not played uh, JJAW. Uh, I think a white side has not played this training camp. But if you can, can you cast your mind back to last year? When watching him in training camp, did sort of he ever jump out? Because I'll be completely honest, I don't remember, I can't remember training camp articles from last year. Did you ever have days where you thought this guy really had it? Like, I get the feeling from listening to the beats already, I saw Kempsky led with it today, that the idea that Rager sort of jumps out and you can sort of instantly just see he's fast, he's athletic. And you mentioned with Watkins, you can just see he's got one trait he'll always win with, which is speed, whether he can actually contribute or not. Did JJ ever actually stand out to you in a meaningful way? Or was it sort of apparent early on that he was a bit of a, sort of average player. There were some flashes. Ways. I remember there being positive moments. And then obviously you just look back at the preseason game last year that he had against the Ravens um, where he did what? Like he did over a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. He had eight catches, eight catches yeah. on nine targets, a touchdown there. Um, looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't want to say he looked bad or, uh, but, but you know, he didn't look probably maybe as dominant as necessarily as, as someone who like Rager, who just looked like, again, kind of just like looks like he belongs instantly. Um, I wouldn't say again that, JJ looked like he was like bad or looked like he didn't belong, but he just, you know, it was, it was a little bit more. I was like, okay, that's good. You know, there's, there's some positive things here, but yeah, just obviously not the same kind of uh, tantal tantalizing upside as a whole. Definitely a good question. I mean, obviously, 
not a good start for for JJ to be <clears throat> missing practices right away, and it's only a day to day injury. And I think I did see him participate nah. a little. I think I saw him catch touchdown pass today. Again, the views here are kind of hard. You know, we're like we're far yeah. away from the field, so and and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah same and I think that was only like yeah. one rep too. So even if he did practice, it wasn't much. But and hopefully he's trending to returning. But yeah, I mean, like he needs to be back here because this is a crucial year too for him. Oh, yeah, it's huge. I was actually thinking earlier on, actually, if Goodwin had not obviously left the team and Watkins and Hightower end up playing really well. I've spoke before about whether he'd have to worry about his roster spot, which sounds um, absolutely uh, bizarre to say, but you, you never actually know if Goodwin had made the team and uh, Deshaun Jackson was healthy. It might have been interesting to see what would have happened. But yeah, I think that's a good thing about training camp and a good thing about speaking to someone like yourself as well is uh, when you, you, you get a sense of what beats sort of know what they're looking for. And I think you can appreciate the idea that we're not expecting sort of gold mine. Like, I don't care what Carson Wentz goes <laughs> in 11, it's out like in 11s. I don't care what his numbers are. Like, I could not care less about that stuff at all. What you want to see is athleticism because to be honest I always think in training camp as well it's an environment where the athletic players should win I think sort of on game day it's a bit more difficult it sort of feels more condensed in many ways I can imagine it's a, it's a bit less physical at training camp so you expect sort of guys with quickness to win so in some ways if Rager wasn't looking good it would be concerning I mean, that's quite. I guess that's quite good to hear on the young guys because I think they will need to uh, play uh, Connor I will spend the whole episode <laughs> talking about wide receivers so save me well, I want to continue I did want to continue on the wide receivers though. Typical. So BLG, because the, the, the thing that I'm focusing on is we we're looking at years under Doug Pearson's tenure where these wide receivers have to be pigeonholed into one spot. Jordan Matthews can only play in the slot. Nelson Aguilar can only succeed in the slot. Now they have guys where they can move up all around. Cause I think Greg Ward could play on the outside as well as the slot. I think Deshaun and Rager are also going to line up in the slot a lot this year. Are we, and now you see these formations and I don't want to read too much into them. Cause I know it's camp. This is where you can practice this stuff or it's not necessarily going to bring it to the season. But, I mean, you saw Zach Ertz out. You see tweets that Zach Ertz is lined up out wide. You see uh, Deshaun in the slot, Rager outside, and then vice versa, Greg Ward in the slot, all that stuff. Is this finally the year where we can see the Eagles be versatile on their offensive like passing attack formations where they don't have to be stuck with? Yeah, so it's interesting because you look at the starting lineup and like, okay, Greg Ward, traditional slot guy. like He, he, he fills that role, I think, traditionally. Um, and then – uh, Deshaun Jackson, obviously prototypical Z receiver, um, but but then who is the X? Because there isn't really that natural, like you know, big body kind of guy. I mean, like if JJ Arthur Whiteside was really good and and he had a good rookie season, okay, then he kind of fits in there. If Austin Jeffrey was healthy, which you know I'm not really anticipating and think he's going to miss at least the first six games, if not more, then you know he obviously starts there in that role. But it seems like Rager's in that role right now, and that's not really. I mean, Doug Peterson even said that that Rager was going to start out at Z behind Deshaun Jackson. And then Rager kind of contradicted him later on when he said he's been learning X and Z. And so far in training camp, it's really been Rager in that X role. And I think it's interesting when you think about Rager's profile because he's not tall. You know, he's only 5'11". He is like a smaller guy when you look at him. Um, Now, obviously, he's very strong. He does like what, like 500 push-ups a day, he says. And he he tested great. And I think that's kind of what makes up for – it, at least in the Eagles' mind, of like he can play the X spot because, yeah, he's he's not he's not over six foot, but he is incredibly great at at jumping. I think he had like a you know over ninety percentile, even like ninety eight something percentile in uh, in 
Yes, his contested rate, his contested catch rate, and from PFF was like forty two percent, which is insane for five eleven. Yeah, so he has a guy like him is the athletic traits. I think they're kind of almost just and they and they want to get him in the lineup. Like that's the most that's you now we can talk about positions and whatever. Like the ultimate thing is like get the best players on the field. Like <laughs> that, that simple. So um, yeah, I definitely think we're gonna see different guys in different spots. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, if I'm not mistaken, like weren't like both of those touchdowns he had last year in Week One, like both from the slot. Or if they weren't, I think at least one of them was. Yeah, so, like, yeah. where do you guys mix the match around here? They both were from us. Yeah, I must admit, I know I said I wasn't going to talk about the receiver position a lot, but that's probably been the biggest news out of all the training camp so far, to me anyway. Uh, if you're a bit of a sort of film nerd and you like all that stuff, the fact that Rager is playing X, because there's no way they're playing him X for the sake of it. Like, they're not just lining him up there in training camp because, oh, Deshaun Jackson's playing Z, so stick him there. Like, they obviously have... They obviously believe, and despite what Doug said in his initial press conference, they obviously do believe that he can play X. Um, and that's that's pretty big. I mean, ideally, I think if you remember, actually the first article I wrote for BGN this year was on about drafting wide receivers and why I tried to sort of figure out why so many people miss uh, on receivers. And I broke down sort of the last three, four years. And basically, when you look at what teams draft for in the first round, I said they draft two things. They draft an electric Z, who is just incredibly good at getting down the field. Um, so your speed guy, like your John Ross, yes, he hasn't worked out, but that's what they want. Or they draft a prototypical X. And really... You don't really draft many. You don't really draft anyone else. I mean, they are the, the two types, and you could make an argument that Rager, although he's fast, isn't a burner. He's not like a real, real, real deep threat like Deshaun Jackson. He's probably more uh, well-rounded. So, to be honest, based on what other teams do, you would expect mm-hmm. a first-round pick. What was he, the twentieth pick uh, around them? You would probably expect him in most years to play at X. Um, and I think we've sort of put it off because we just think, well, he is small and maybe he won't do it. But he did play there in college. He's used to getting pressed. Um, so that's really interesting to me. It doesn't speak a lot for Alshon and JJ. I, I think I want it doesn't really matter to me personally. Um, I think if Rager could actually get snaps at X, and that's what you're seeing in um, training camp obviously at the moment, that would be really, really interesting because that obviously means you can get a serious amount of speed on the field as well because you haven't got to worry about him playing behind the Sean. Uh, you can get him both on the field at once. So that's probably been one thing actually I wasn't expecting team to do and i'm pleasantly surprised he's doing it this early yeah the point that blg made get your best receivers on the field and that's what the eagles do with the 12 personnel majority of the time because goddard yeah. nerds are their best receivers majority of the season so I, I i agree get your best receivers on the field no matter who it is if it's the speed guys creating stuff downfield with like a rager jackson then you have the the Ertz and goddard have the middle of the field so i i have no problem with rager playing x this year because i think he is capable of playing up to the capabilities of an X, but he's never going to be a true X. The long per- long-term projection for him is obviously Z. He's going to replace Deshaun Jackson there because I don't think he's the Deshaun Jackson speed prototypically, but, I mean, he did have the second-fastest play in the NFL, would have been in the second-fastest play in the NFL last year. Yeah, true. He, and, and he's so, not slow. He's just not what I'd call yeah, no. an out-and-out burner. Gets, yeah. Because a lot of people compare him to Brandon Cooks, which I think you could see a lot in his tape when you look at his downfield production. Uh, so I mean, I, that I don't think Brandon Cooks is on on the speed level as Tyree Kill or Deshaun Jackson no. either. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they finally got the best thing about the Eagles with drafting Rager is they finally got a playmaker. Uh, I think when you're a receiver and you're you're a playmaker, your transition's so much easier because you can still find a way to beat that coverage. You can still find a, the soft spot in zone. Whereas you get these possession guys who JJ Sega Whiteside coming from the Pac-12 doesn't see much press coverage. Whereas you're a possession wide receiver, you're an X, you're, you're typically facing press coverage in the NFL nine times out of ten. So uh, that's why I think this Rager transition, and not only that, I mean, he learned from his dad who knew what it takes to be an NFL player. 
I think his transition is so much different than it is for any other rookie wide receiver for the Eagles. That's the greatest news out of all of it. Because we all know how the struggles that they have with rookie wide receivers transition. Yeah, I mean, he's off to a good start. Um, you know, and, and it's two practices, so make of that what you will. It's early. Yeah, we just, I mean, we got to get, get you on the show just to talk real quick anyways. But yeah, it's early. We're not trying to project everything right here. But I think it's just, it's, I mean, it's interesting that he's already lined up at X. I think that's a really good tidbit that not a lot of us are focusing on right now. So I like that. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Because again, you got to take training camp for what it is. I sort of try and look at how players are being used. So for me, that was quite, I'm not saying big news, but it was, oh, okay, you don't just stick him there for the sake of it, do you? Uh, he's obviously playing there because they want him to get used to that position. So uh, fingers crossed we actually see it in the season as well. <laughs> right, Connor, anything else? Not on the wide receiver position. <laughs> I no, think I want to go into I, I found something interesting in Jim Schwartz's uh, presser today, and I know that uh, he was specifically talking about rookies, but I do think it is a little interesting uh, that he did cite that the linebackers and safeties have the toughest transitions. But, I mean, the Eagles have two new safeties, a free agent, Will Parks, a rookie, and Kayvon Wallace. Jalen Mills is transitioning to safety. Uh, I know he played it in college, but, again, whole new position for him in the NFL. And then a whole bunch of inexperience at linebacker. So what really is he saying here? Like, temp- is he telling us to temper our expectations with the secondary because these guys are going to take a while to get up to speed with the system? Because uh, from my from my standpoint, I think he finally has enough in his arsenal to uh, not have any more complaints or like not have any more passes anymore, Jim Schwartz. Yeah, I think specifically the rookies. I think I almost read it as he's kind of tempering expectations for them in terms of you know specifically uh, Davion Taylor and uh, Kevon Wallace. And then Sean Bradley. Oh, Sean Bradley's look kind of good here. And in his first two training camp practices, he's had some highlights. Though still, like, you know, you have um, Nate Gary and TJ Edwards as the main starting linebackers. And then Duke Riley was the third guy on the field. He was back at practice today. Um, I think Bradley might have been the third guy yesterday when uh, Riley wasn't practicing. So that's noteworthy, especially because he's over Taylor at that point. But as Johnny knows, um, Davion Taylor probably not just ready to play instantly. And, and that's going to be a surprise. I mean, yeah, you just look at his lack of experience, and then a lack of a, no. a full off season like just no. doesn't do him any more favors. And then too, if like he's going to have this huge role on special teams as like a, a core four kind of guy, I mean, you know, how much are you really putting on his plate right away? So, um, you know, that sort said, you know, that doesn't excuse them from like they still have to obviously try to to get up to speed as much as they can because they have injuries at this at linebacker safety. Then those guys aren't really that far down the depth chart from having to play. But I, I think it's just clear like those guys aren't going to have any kind of major roles. I think Kayvon can kind of have uh, a role in the defense because Jim Schwartz is looking to get probably you know more defensive backs on the field. They, the Eagles played a lot of dime last year. Like, and that's kind of been going up year over year for them. And I, and I think they probably want to play even more uh, this season. So I think Kayvon could get on the field in certain looks. But, you know, I just – I don't think – I think sometimes uh, collectively as fans, people get excited that like, oh, you know, they drafted Kayvon Wallace and he's going to be awesome. And, you know, I, I like his long-term potential. But I don't – I like someone in my mentions right now, uh, and I'm not trying to shame this person, but is like asking like what are the chances that he takes the uh, – the starting safety spot. And this is after seeing my tweet that uh, Wallace picked off Jalen Hurts. Well, the chances are like zero. <laughs> He's not going to start because Jalen Mills and Ronnie McLeod are locked in. And then Will Parks, to me, pretty clearly is also the third guy there, you know, when they're when they're doing big nickel and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of just tempering the expectations for those young guys. I, the Sean Bradley stuff interesting because it's you see everybody tweeting about like he's making an impression because I mean TJ Edwards grasp on that like it is, Mike, linebacker. I, I, I think 
It does. I, I it does. It just, that's what I'm wondering. It comes, it comes down off to firm grass. what we a lot of people thought going in, where Gary is like your top guy, like he's your dime linebacker. You know, like he's he's gonna Nick Gary, barring injury, is gonna lead the Eagles in linebacker snaps this year. Like I feel, I feel pretty confident about that. And then uh, absolutely, you know, Edwards yes, is gonna yeah, be that absolutely. number two guy um, behind him as your other kind of primary starter. And then right now it's going to be Riley is the third guy. Although, you know, if Sean Bradley comes on or, you know, there's injuries, which there easily could be. Um, yeah. Kind of goes from there. But yeah, I, I think Edwards is pretty locked in. Oh man. Yeah. Since Duke Riley Snick. was brutal at Atlanta too. Cause I, I would hate to have Duke Riley come on the field. He looked awful in Atlanta. <laughs> in the day. He looked really bad. I, well, I, I didn't really care for the trade because it was a safety we didn't use anyways in Jonathan Supriam, but I mean, special we, teams other than that. We spoke about it quite a lot as well. I, I mean, it's impossible to know, but I do think mm. Jatavis Brown would have had a role if he didn't, um, whatever happened with him with the leaving and stuff. I think he probably would have had a role as that second linebacker. So I'm not really sure if they want TJ Edwards to be their nickel linebacker already. Um, but he's a young guy who's obviously on a cheap contract. So if they think he can step up, Mm-hmm. Uh, then fingers crossed uh, on Jalen Mills, just cause I'm intrigued. I know, you, as you said, you can't really see much at all, but from like what you hear and what you sort of see on the training account when people speaking about him, how do you think his transition will sort of be just from what you're, does he look like someone who will handle the transition quite well? Cause I sort of feel like it depends how they want to use him. So if they want to use him as like, just uh, to repeat Malcolm Jenkins, he's not going to be able to do that. Cause I can't see him covering a sort of shifty running backs as Jenkins has sometimes d- yeah. done. But I think if you're putting him on like sort of bigger tight ends and you're asking him to sort of come in the box and make plays against the run, then I think he'll sort of be fine. As he looks yeah, sort of so reasonably he did, comfortable when you've heard today, reasonably you know, good things about he him. He just jumped in front of a short Carson Wentz pass. So, you know, good read by him, made the play on the ball. And that's something Jalen Mills, you know, for all his faults, like he's, he, you know, he, he's, he's aggressive <laughs> and, and he's looking to make plays on the ball. He's not just sitting back um, and being passive with it. So encouraging to see that. Uh, Jalen Mills talked about like the biggest challenge from moving uh, from from uh, corner to safety, and he talked about kind of just the communication aspect. So that's something I think we should really keep an eye on early in the season. Like, are there going to be blown coverages because there are communication issues? So that's kind of uh, something he kind of highlighted, and I, and I want to you know keep that in my mind and see if that does prove to be an issue. I did notice in practice today, and uh, you know, this is all just you know, it's it's not a typical football experience because you're watching your football. You know, you can rewind typically. You know, if you're watching film, or you know, get the replay if you're watching it live. And obviously, I'm just seeing one view at this. But from my memory today, like I feel like Carson was picking on him at times, and this wasn't like big plays. You know, like you know, breaking down the field, but just like a lot of uh, a lot of little quick completions that kind of seemed like Jalen Mills was in the area of those. So. Uh, maybe Carson sees that and knows too. Like, hey, you know, this guy is playing safety for the first time, and maybe the coaches kind of want to test him out too. Could be a multiple of factors here, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think Jalen Mills has the mindset obviously for this, just his confidence, <laughs> which, which we can all you know uh, be uh, grow tired of or you know be frustrated with at times because um, it's there's, there's an overconfidence with him sometimes, but. Uh, I, I definitely think he's attacking this thing head on and I, I'll give it a shot. You know, I, I don't think it's insane. Obviously he has that safety background. It's just, I guess it's just a lot to ask. So when you talk again about that communication thing and you figure, okay, to shortened off season, like it's just going to be a tough transition for him potentially. Like, are we going to be struggled or are we going to be struggled? Are we going to be surprised if he struggles like early on and we're seeing issues with this? I don't think we will be shocked.
Yeah, I, I mean, I like Mills more than most people, so I'm sort of hopeful. I just find Mills a really weird player because I, I always go back to his rookie season when he had sort of games against mm-hmm. like Julio, and he always gets beat, but he never seems to get beat badly. And he always like Schultz gave so much on his play early on for a corner. I mean, when people say like Schultz has rarely had a corner traveling, he did occasionally use Mills. I'm sure he traveled Beckham. Um, he traveled with Beckham one game, and I'm I'm pretty sure he traveled with Julio one game as well. Maybe not every snap. Um, but he definitely moved around. I remember seeing snaps of him playing Julio in the slot uh, one-on-one with, with, with very little help. And for a young uh, sort of late-round pick, he's a really, really interesting player. Um, but as you mentioned, I think that's something to probably watch out for. Being pessimistic, I think the Eagles will probably have coverage breakdowns this year because you could basically look at every single player as playing a different role except um, Rodney McLeod. You've got a new cornerback one that Maddox has never played on the outside this much. A new slot cornerback in Roby Coleman, new safety in Mills. So I think realistically, Less less of a training camp, you would expect some coverage breakdowns to occur next year. Um, I don't know if it makes it any better if you're prepared for it. I'm sure Eagles Twitter won't see it that way, but uh, yeah, I think that's probably something to watch out for. I wonder if you see that in practice as well, with a lack of communication, um, could be more of an issue. Uh, Connor, is there anything else you wanted to mention on the sort of secondary or anything? No, I mean, uh, I I'm just I, I noticed Schwartz also mentioned about moving Nicole Ruby Coleman outside, so I think there's so many opportunities they can. Do matchup dependent now with the versatility of the secondary? It's just the communication. You're right. I, I it's not going to be there right away. There's no way. I think towards the mid season is when we start seeing the secondary maybe be more formidable than they were in the first couple of weeks because there's just so much chemistry they have to get. And there's no preseason to help out either. So I, I agree with you guys. I think I'm going to be pessimistic for the first couple of weeks because I don't think it's going to be up to par right away. Uh, and I think a lot of people are going to be like, well, then Slay wasn't worth it. And, start talking about Byron Jones and all that stuff. But I just think it's just going to be the, the chemistry because Malcolm Jenkins and Ronnie McLeod, I thought played, I mean, Ronnie McLeod outside of the missed tackles, I thought played very well last year, considering the fact he's coming off ACL and Malcolm Jenkins, besides a couple of few blown coverages and some missed calls, uh, still was the leader on that defense and played every snap. Uh, so it's not like these guys didn't know what they were doing. It's just the, so much change at cornerback. And it's, it's again, going into the season, there's so much change at cornerback. So, uh, I am tempering my expectations a little bit, but uh, BLG, I did want to ask you one quick because Eagles Twitter is obsessed with getting a running back. They think that the Eagles running back room isn't that great. I want to see what Corey Clement has. I want to see if he's back to the normal after the hype. I want to see if Boston Scott can build on last season where he really did show that Darren Sproles role. He was great on uh, short yardages. He was great receiving. Uh, Michael Warren and Adrian Kill to see what we have in them. To me, I'm like, and then Sanders, we all know is a superstar in the making. I'm not, really killing myself for De- Devontae Freeman. Are you um, looking at this group thinking like they yet. really need to add a veteran to this? I will say, you know, if Miles Sanders goes down, I mean, all of a sudden that room isn't looking like, like, what do you have, you know, if Miles Sanders goes down? Right. I guess, but then I'm just like, I'm that type of person where, I mean, I feel like there's going to be some kind of street free agent at that time. That's going to be good enough for, I mean, you got Jay Ajayi by the trade deadline for a fourth round pick. I, I feel like it, we shouldn't worry about that going into because then you're taking away a roster spot from somebody. Where I want to see more Corey yeah. Clement this year. I want to see more Boston Scott this year. I you can tell he's been see... talking to me. You can tell I've had influence on Connor. Clearly, <laughs> no one else speaks as passionately about Corey Clement. It's uh, well, what can I, I mean, say? That's, that's a training camp thing right now, though. Is that he's looking very good? That he looks like he's healthy and up to speed. And then he ripped off that big long touchdown. So I mean, I. I'd rather see what they have in the young guys that they're not paying a lot to, whereas now you can go with – because I'm not even a big on keeping four running backs, to be honest with you. I feel like if you keep these three, 
use that extra roster spot for your inexperienced offensive lineman death. Use that roster spot for your inexperienced safety death, linebacker death, especially. Instead of keeping that fourth running back, he's probably not going to see the field as much this year because you, you're you not going to want to put that much of a cap on Miles Sanders. And Boston Scott looked good last year to me in, his, in the time that he showed us. I don't. I, I want to build on this stuff. I don't want to keep bringing in these veteran guys that uh, have to keep up a roster spot for some young guy. I, that's that's where I'm at with it. I want to keep building with the young. Stop going with the old because if they mm-hmm. bring in a running back, a veteran running back, it's just this season. That's it. I don't know. Hey, parents! Did you know your kids' money habits start as early as the second grade? Help them build money skills for the real world with Go Henry, the debit card and financial learning app for kids six to eighteen. They'll check off chores in the app, set savings goals, and get their own customized card. It's easy to automate allowance, track spending, and more, so they get independence and you get to set the boundaries. Guide their learning every step of the way and stay up to date with real-time notifications in your parent app. Families love it. GoHenry has over 1.5 million members, and 92% of parents said their kids were more money-confident after using the app. Start your kids on their journey to become money smart adults. Get started at gohenry.com, promo code SMART. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans use their homes for better living. Whether that be through refinancing your mortgage, accessing cash through your home's equity, or helping you purchase a new home, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333, licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing, equal housing opportunity. For what? Too, for now. So, um, I just know, want to build on what they have, guy. to be honest with you. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think it just kind of comes down to, like, if Sanders did get hurt, you know, at some point for a long time, then you probably sign that guy. You probably just have to, again, because, like, you know, I, I love Boston Scott, but... Is he really like your top? Like, can you trust him to be your top back like for ten games plus? Like, I, I just don't know. Um, and then right Corey, I, yeah, he had, he had a good first day. He dropped a pass today that uh, led into an interception, so no. not as good. But um, I, I still have hope for Corey, and I know the Eagles were really—they're just so high on him. Like, I know internally they're really high on him coming off of that Super Bowl. And why wouldn't you be? He led the team in receiving yards in the Super Bowl, <laughs> and he had a, a very promising rookie season. And obviously they. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they consulted Johnny on it. Still my greatest <laughs> moment of all time. But Corey Clement, I mean, that is literally the greatest moment of all time in my life, I think. It wasn't even the Super Bowl win. It was just Corey Clement leading the team. I do have shades of like, I do have shades of him running in 2018 where it was just, he was getting stuffed. He couldn't, his vision was horrible that year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, we'll I mean, completely not... ignore the fact that in my like scouting breakdown of him, I basically said he can't catch. Um, <laughs> so if we ignore that part of it, uh, I said his running's really good, but he's bad as a receiver. And then he ends up being the lead Eagles receiver in the Super Bowl. So if we ignore the fact that I actually got everything completely wrong, uh, then yeah, that was still uh, my favorite moment of all time. Uh, there's something about Corey Clement, though. I mean, he's always been sort of, I don't know, he's a funny yeah. player because he's always been, to me anyway, massively underrated and he's always been able to play. Um, I just think his health. I, I genuinely, that's not just because I've liked him. I think he mm-hmm. could step into Sanders for quite a while. I mean, I'm the kind of person, to be honest, that thinks running backs are either all the same or they're special anyway. So unless you've got a top 10 talent, 
it, I don't really care about the running back. Most of them are pretty similar. If the offensive line block well and you call good plays and you get light boxes, uh, it's a numbers game half the time. And then you get special talents and they make real, real impact and they're worth paying, despite some people not thinking that. Um, I don't think you're going to replace anyone near Sanders. So I'm sort of of the opinion that if he goes down anyway, you're going to get worse at running back. You might as well just ride it out with guys that you think know the playbook and won't screw up and can block possibly if you leave him into pass protection they don't get they don't get the quarterback killed um but yeah we'll see what happens i'm not really sure we're going to learn about much from that from training camp to be honest it'll be more whether they can stay healthy as you said i don't think boston scott's going to suddenly gain 20 pounds and carry the load i think they know what they have here there with him um Connor, i did, did miss you... one thing yeah i did Go miss one thing i wanted to ask because no, i did read again, this in the camera so like darius slay is not players, doing anything to really days, like make, a, make you excited yeah. yet blg only one one it's two days. Yeah. It's two days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm glad it's, at least it's nothing bad. Cause I know this whole video of Deshaun Jackson burning him on a free release is getting oh, everybody all worked up. Is there Twitter. anything worse than training camp videos when a wide receiver Nothing. burns a cornerback one-on-one with no One of the fastest help, wide receivers no to ever play. One of the wide, oh. fastest wide receivers to ever play. It literally, <laughs> like, you can run any route at all. There's no split. There's no any any cornerback that wins those plays, then fair play, because you've got, you're have got you at such yep. a disadvantage. I'm not sure any cornerbacks running with Sean Jackson one-on-one with no safety help on a free release. Um, the Andre so. Dillard thing, too, was kind of a – Andre Dillard thing was kind of a surprise. Uh, he was dealing with an injury going into camp. I wasn't really that aware of that. I don't know if you were, Johnny. Yes. Uh, that no, was, I, didn't hear, but, I didn't know about that. Maybe he's gained so much weight. Uh, he has gained weight, hasn't he? I did read that. He yeah, had got bigger, he, which is good. He needed it. He needed it for strength. I hope yeah. it's all muscle. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he needed it. Uh, has he looked all right to you so far, BLG? Because, I mean, he is, I mean, the first time yeah, in um, forever. Dude, I don't know if he's going to team drills as much again, just angles and everything. But on one-on-ones today, he did have a good rep against Josh Sweat where he really just stuffed him. Uh, you know, Sweat was just trying to get around him and really just held his own. And, and the coaching staff and the players alike both, like, you know, took time to really – uh, praise Andre Dillard for that, which seems to be a focus <laughs> with Andre Dillard, not only on the field, but also um, like in interviews and stuff like uh, teammates, uh, coaches kind of, I think, making an effort to boost his confidence because you know, there are yeah. concerns about that. And there obviously was a lot of weird stuff about Andre Dillard this offseason uh, in terms of like the Eagles not really necessarily being ready to turn the left tackle job over to him and potentially wanting to bring Jason Peters back to play left tackle prior to the Brooks injury. And talk that the Eagles uh, were, what was the term? Uh, they had like Dillard on the market or something at one point. So, so yeah, definitely, definitely a concerted effort to uh, to really try to boost his stock uh, and make him feel good. And I guess to Andre Dillard's credit, you know, if he's dealing with this injury, whatever it is, uh, coming into camp. And I, I don't think I really saw him miss too much playing time today in team drills where he was kind of rotating a little bit with Mylotta more so on the first day. Uh, you know, obviously he should get credit for, you know, toughing it out and playing through that because that's important to see. It's important to see, especially for his mental toughness because he questioned that and uh, a lot. Uh, last year he's crying uh, after a rep with Derek Barnett, so hopefully that doesn't happen this year at all. Uh, to me, it's just the most – I don't know what's up with him because he even called out Mike Leach this offseason. Like, he ripped him to shreds when he left for Mississippi State uh, after he ditched Washington. Uh, 
So I, I don't know this this guy, and then he rips the coaching staff after playing my right tackle. I, yeah, I think this, they. I've never seen him have to coddle a player like uh, in the beginning so much before my you know, life. I feel like is, he comes from a yeah, you know, I guess like a smaller town or just a different culture, really, from the West Coast in the United States, uh, more laid back. Uh, not and and even just his college, you know, Washington State. Not it's not comparable to the rabid passion of the Philadelphia fan base, which can be, quite frankly, not very welcoming or alarming. Or, or, or no, it can, it can be alarming, um, or or just tough, honestly, obviously, uh, to deal with. So yeah, that's definitely kind of been a factor. And I think kind of the thing that gets lost in the Andre Dillard when we kind of look back on it was that, you know, I don't know if the Eagles really expected him to fall. To where he did, you know, and I, I don't know that they fully did like their homework on him as far out as they kind of maybe would have if they did expect him to be able to fall into that range. And it kind of sounds to me like they did a bunch of like last minute homework on him and ultimately, you know, signed off on it. They drafted him. But uh, yeah, those concerns are not like I think people look at those concerns and say, like, oh, it's fake or media driven or whatever. Like They're not fake. <laughs> and definitely have heard things about that. So but again, uh, good for him to be out there, toughen through it, and obviously the the weight gain is positive. So everything we've seen thus far is trending in the right direction. Kind of just needs to continue to be that way, and no more kind of weird stuff, no more blow ups. You know, nothing nothing strange. Basically, uh, if he just stays out of like the headlines entirely, I mean that would be great. That would be great, and I mean. To your point, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that because I mean, everybody in mock drafts had him going number ten to the Bengals or even like way up there in the top fifteen at least pick range. So I, I didn't even think about that. That's actually really true. Maybe they just said, "All right, that's obviously the best player available. We didn't expect to get him. Let's take him," and not know that much about him. I mean, that would be alarming. Then that's no indictment on High Roseman's draft tenure. Then uh, that would be great if Tyler Dillard doesn't pan out. But it's good to hear so far that he is uh, strengthened up and looking good so far. I like I like to hear that. You got anything else, Johnny? You got anything to add? No, not on training camp. I think that's about as uh, I think that's right, about as much as you can do after, yeah, as much as you can do after two days of training <laughs> camp, to be honest. So yeah, I think you got one more quick question for BOG, then we'll let him go because I know what Connor's like. When Connor talks football, I have to try and slow him down, and that's impressive because I can I've been told by everyone I've ever known that I did not shut up and I could talk forever. But even I have to stop Connor talking football. So <laughs> final question, just put, just throw you on the spot with a really easy answer. Nice casual question to finish for uh, BLJ. An easy answer, yeah, very easy answer. Because uh, I don't think Eagles Twitter could really handle BLG's brutally honest. Sometimes <laughs> I do. I, I agree. So I'm like, yeah, that's that's a fair point. He's probably right, but a lot of people are like, no, 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 it's not praising Peterson. It's not praising Roseman. So I thought, who better than the guy that could take the fan hat off and actually really think about think this through, this opinion through, and give a really honest answer than BLG for this question. So, Bill G, we've seen the 49ers commit to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch long-term. Kansas City's all in on Andy Reid and Brett Veach. Uh, Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton have been together forever, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Is it time that the Eagles are like – because I, I believe it, their contracts expire in 2022 where they run out after that season. Is it time for the Eagles to invest in Doug Peterson? I think this season is, a, is you know, an important so season, those, depending on what happens. So those guys be looked at I guess it, although, know, as the likes of those guys. So somebody vote on long-term, just, do you think? It's such a weird year whether deserved or not, I just think, I think they will. Uh, my point on Howie Roseman is this, and here, here comes the diatribe. Okay. Uh, they want to talk about how they've made the playoffs the last three years. Yeah, sure. That's great. Um, and I don't want to undersell that. It's really good. But 
I mean, like the Eagles were obviously an elite team in 2017. Like how we did an awesome job. I would say like an unsustainably great job where you're hitting on literally every free agent you sign. And that's probably not like a viable strategy year over year, but I'm not, I'm not trying to take it away from it. It was, it was great. Uh, Now from beyond that point in 2017, we're talking about since then, you know, the Eagles had a Super Bowl caliber roster. You could argue in 2018 coming off of that championship. And they only made the playoffs by like the skin of their teeth as a six seed. Like they needed a team that had nothing to play for, in the uh, Bears to beat a team fighting for a playoff spot in the Vikings. And the Eagles only won a wild card game in the playoffs that year, of course, because the opposing kicker, Cody Parkey, you know, misses like a chip shot field goal in weird fashion. Um, now, you know, you look at 2019, the Eagles win an historically bad division as a four seed in 2019. And they have these terrible wide receivers again. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Carson Wentz won it with all these bad players. Well, you know, part of that is on Howie. <laughs> like the, the talent wasn't good enough, ultimately. And there's injuries there, but still they weren't prepared, really, or at least well prepared for those injuries either. So uh, <clears throat> so they, they made the playoffs, you know, yes, the past two years. But, like, teams don't win the Super Bowl anymore by just getting into the playoffs any way you can. Like, that my, that used to be, like, the thing in the NFL. It's not anymore. Like, like teams who are winning the Super Bowl, right, the one seed or the two seed, they're, they're really good. They're dominant, really in the, the regular season and the Eagles haven't been that like they've had to back their way into the playoffs the past two years and I think that matters and I think when you look at the big picture the Eagles are 91 and 77 including four and four in the playoffs since Howie Rosen was hired in 2010 and if you want to kind of take out the Super Bowl year which is hard to do but if you want to count that as an anomaly they're only 75 and 74 and they're one and four in the playoffs so not great now in fairness again you can't do that and but I'll say, okay, let's take out both outlier seasons, meaning 2017 when they won the Super Bowl, and then the year the Eagles were terrible in 2012 and they won, you know, four games. Um, if you take that out, like both outliers, both extremes, the Eagles are 71 and 62, so above 500. Good, not amazing, but good. But they're only one and four in the playoffs in that stretch, of course. And uh, most recently, since the Super Bowl, they're 19 and 16, so just above 500, and they're one and two in the playoffs since they won the Super Bowl. So, uh, all this is to say, I, I'm not really worried about the Eagles being ever like just terrible with Howie Roseman. He's definitely going to have them like at least average and probably above average. But I just kind of wonder like about his ability to build like that elite team, and it's not an easy thing to do. But they're the ones out here saying like this is the new normal, and like we're going to strive for greatness. And I feel like they have the kind of uh, they have the coaching staff and Doug Peterson, who I don't really have any kind of concerns about big picture so much you can nitpick here but i am totally comfortable with doug i don't like have doubts about him in the long term and carson wentz obviously you have in a franchise quarterback and like you know i feel like they should just be better than having to back into the playoffs i know they've had bad injury luck but some of that you know is building an old roster some of that again too is not being well prepared when those injuries happen in the case of like deshaun last year and that kind of submarine the offense basically for the entire season. So all this is a long way to say that I don't think Howie Roseman should be fired by any means now, but like, you know, he's not infallible. And, you know, how the, this team does this year and then moving forward is going to be key. So I would, no, I would not be looking to extend him quite yet. I, again, you have to see how this season goes. You're probably looking at, you know, prior to that, that 2021 season or whatever, uh, a lot of coaches, you know, and, and GMs, you don't want them being that lame duck on the last year of that deal. But uh, there's reason for optimism too. Again, 
you look at this team, you can kind of you can envision how they have a high ceiling and how things could go right for them. I don't want to sound all negative on it, but there is that path. Like there, there's also a path here that like, look, this team kind of might be more what we saw the past two years than they are getting back to in 2017. So that was a long answer, and hopefully it was a good one. <laughs> No, that was a good answer. I thought because I mean that's the brutally honest truth, though. Because as much as I do praise High Resident for the Super Bowl, as much as I I I, I think a lot of us are harsh on him, I am critical on the fact that he relied on Deshaun Jackson at the age of thirty three to be the speed option for the Eagles for sixteen games last year. I do am critical of him in two thousand eighteen rely on Mike Wallace to be the speed option, where was was have clearly on the downward trajectory of his career, and then not only that, the worst contract he could have possibly ever done that he has in his tenure. It's that Alshon Jeffrey extension, it's not going away anytime soon. So the, the cap ramifications right. from that are really going to, I mean, next year is really going to be what's the way the do or die for Harry Roseman. That's why I don't, I just can't see Jeffrey Lurie getting rid of Harry Roseman though. It, I, I can never foresee that ever happening where he goes, especially Doug Peterson now. I, I'm fully in on Doug. I, I know everybody right. has questions of Doug and everything like that, but to get to the playoffs those last couple of years with his back against the wall, I think really was more Doug than it was anybody else. Um, to me, I how he does everything right, and now I can finally this offseason, Excuse me, not everything right. Because this offseason, I thought he finally did the right things, but he also didn't have the guy on the back of his shoulder like a Joe Douglas. He doesn't have the Andy Reid behind him. Doesn't have Andrew Barry's not here anymore. There's nobody behind him now where you could say, well, it could have been this guy's fault. It could have been that guy's fault. This guy could have had the influence. That's where I'm finally like, this is the finally the year of the make or break of what the Eagles could do now that they're the Super window. They even admitted how he admitted it's closed. They need to open a new one. This is the finally the, the year. And it sucks because the coronavirus excuse is going to be brought up by everybody after they hear this. But this is the, I think this is finally the year we could see if Howie's offseason that he did by himself was correct. And if this team going forward is in the position to be a long-term competitor, if Howie Rosen put him in that position too. So I, I agree with you. It's we, it's not – we can't say, yes, we can extend Harry Rosen right now just based off the past because I think you have to take out the outliner years and see what the rest of the body of work shows, and it's not that pretty right now. So I, I'm fully on board with what you said, but it, to me, I, I don't think you could do much better than Howie uh, in, in, in a sense. But, again, this is a big-time market, Philadelphia organization, big-time owner, big-time coach, big-time quarterback. Uh, it would be a, a luxury job uh, for if it was ever available, but uh, – to me, the, the, now this is the first season. Think, this is the first off season that we can really evaluate what Howie Roseman did to make this team good or not, and nobody else <laughs> can be behind him to be blamed. <laughs> yeah, I'm still. Yeah, I was going to say I'm still amazed I, that you had those I numbers that quickly. Kind of gave you about <laughs> yeah, that was wrong. two I mean, minutes. I that is insane. That, uh, did you put them up, or have you just re- have you just remembered them from your previous articles? Yeah, those are in there. Go. Yeah, I think it's a really really interesting debate. Actually, I'm sort of. Because I'm, I'm just a huge Doug fan. But again, I mentioned about sort of NFL head coaches and sort of the way you judge them. And I sort of mentioned it with running backs. So then you get elite and then you get sort of the, the, everyone else. I think a coaching staff is more important than a head coach. Um, sort of the head coach is the one that takes the glory. But I think a good coaching staff is incredibly important. I think Doug needs better people around him. I'm hopeful they've hired them this year. I don't think Doug is sort of this offensive mastermind. But I think he is an incredible culture guy. And I think that matters a lot. Um, I think Doug and Wentz sort of set the tone for the rest of the organization. I think they're both. I remember writing about this five years ago when we drafted Wentz, and I think I'm right pretty much that Doug and Wentz just seem to get along. 
like some quarterback and head coach combos. I think it is a real thing, the quarterback head to coach combo. I think they need to work together. What I would say is I think with Howie is I'm mm. of the opinion that this is Doug and Wentz's team. Even though Howie's the power man, I think you've always mentioned mm. this before, but Louie did sort of fire him when he gave Chip Kelly power. He brought in Joe Douglas. So I don't think there's a complete idea that Howie is the one. And let's be honest, remember Joe Douglas didn't, he wasn't fired. Joe Douglas left because he got a general manager job. I think there is some, there's probably something in the organization that suggests that giving it just to Howie by himself. I and mean, we had Andrew Berry as well, who joined the Browns, who was quite a high profile figure. I think the key for Howie basically is to make sure that him and Doug are on the same wavelength, sort of team building wise. And I struggle mm. to look, and I know we've mentioned this so many times, but for me yes. anyway, it became like the defining feature of last season. And I know it's one position, but the wide receiver position, I struggle to look at the wide receiver position last year and think that was anywhere near what Doug and Wentz wanted. And I don't mean that from an idea of you didn't draft anyone or you should have signed X. I meant just the type of player. I think JJ, I think at Whiteside stands out, and we spoke about this before, was not a great fit for what the Eagles really want to do on offense. I think Doug's offense is clearly wants to be built around, built around speed. I think you look at what um, Andy Reid has done down, down in Kansas City, basically just drafting a team of track athletes, and they're just faster than everyone. Yeah. And Wentz has got a huge arm. And even players that I like, like Greg Walder, I think is a decent player. You, you just look at his like, yards per catch last year was something like nine or something insanely low. Nelson Aguilar's was insanely low. It was like in the, it was just ridiculously low. They had no explosiveness. And I worry that basically last year was the first year that Doug and Wentz and how we weren't on the same wavelength. And this is a theory of mine. And then basically this year, whether Doug's got more power than we think, he sort of, I'm sure he sat down with Howard at the end of the season and said, listen, you got that completely wrong. And now this year he's gone out and basically, I mean, anyone that realises he drafted three speed guys in one draft because it was so obvious that the Eagles were slow at that one position. Mm-hmm. And I, the, that's my only question with Howie. And I know people have now come around to this pick. Uh, I understand why. I still hate drafting a quarterback in the second round. And I will never, ever be convinced by anyone it was the right decision. And my problem with Howie, and by the way, I really like Howie. And I'm saying this is someone trying to provide a sort of counter argument um, in terms of, if you go back through my tweets and type in the hashtag Team Howie, you'll find that I, I wrote an article about why the Eagles shouldn't give Chip Kelly power when it happened. And I was correct on that, I think, as well. Mm. And when I said they shouldn't sideline Howie. But I do think Howie is, and I know I've read a lot about him as well, I think he seems a genuinely good guy. I do think there's a little bit of arrogance about Howie that can be sort of, uh, I think he sort of believes in his methods very strongly. And I think you have, Yes, and I think you have to, but there was the Jalen Hurts pick, to my opinion, never it screamed, we see something that no one else sees. There's this great Yeah, we're smarter than you. We're smarter than you. That's what it screamed to me, yeah. The only theory I got from the Jalen Hurts pick now that I've finally come to rest with is the fact that they came to terms with that they can't develop late-round quarterbacks. Nate Sudfeld has proven nothing to them. Clayton Thorson was a disaster. They they went with who they felt was the most talented, and they didn't care what round it was. Because next year, with this cap ramifications that are going to happen, each team, I believe, is going to go through their back and quarterback situation where it's the Case Keenums of the world, Chase Daniels, whoever's making too much money. They're going to get rid of it. That's going to be the cap cut is the back of quarterbacks. So now we're going to look at a league that's full of backup quarterbacks. I mean, Dallas does it right now because they pay so much money to all the other resources. They haven't had a good backup quarterback in ages or they haven't paid a good backup. I mean, they just did with Dalton, but again, his deal was cheap. But prior to that, it was Cooper Rush was Dak Prescott's backup. So 
I think we're going to start seeing that around the league. And Harry Roseman's like, I beat you to it. I have a rookie salary, but I actually yeah. have a good backup instead. But to me, yeah, you never take a backup quarterback in the second round. Because now yeah. here we are. Here, everyone's hoping that the Eagles second round pick doesn't have to play. Yeah, that, I mean, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I don't want to go down the Jalen Hurts sort of argument as to whether it's a good or bad pick. Like, I'm mad yeah, no, that's, that's enough, yeah, that's yeah, enough my, about the Hurts. My mind's been made we up. all got it. Yeah, my mind's been made up on that for ages. It's just that's one thing that Howie, I think, is I'm sort of the opinion. Basically, the idea of the question right. kind of was should like the Eagles commit long term to um, the head coach and the general manager? I would be perfectly fine if they turned around and give Doug a huge contract tomorrow. I would be completely mm-hmm. fine with that. I think um, as far as head coaches go, that you know what you've got. And to an extent, when you've got Doug and you've got Wentz, you're always going to be there or thereabouts. And as I know you said you have to be the best team in the league. You do. Um, but also, you know, you can't help the fact that Lamar Jackson might be an incredibly special talent. Patrick Mahomes might be the best quarterback talent we've seen in, for however long with an exceptional offensive mind. So these teams are going to be really good as well. So just being really good doesn't mean you're going to win. If you look at the Saints recently, they've been exceptionally good for the past few years and they've never won. So you don't want to blow it up with your head coach. But I think, as you've said before, I think if there ever is a point when Doug and Howie, I'm sorry, when Doug and Wentz get angry with the sort of the roster Howie is constructing, I think that's the time um, that I think we see sort of problems occur. And to be honest, I think one of them would be just around the corner with Zach Ertz. I think maybe the money talk is Zach Ertz isn't sensible to extend because of his age. But when you look at how they use him and how Wentz trusts him, I, there's no way they're not going to extend him. Like, there's no way that I don't, I just, I think Wentz would be absolutely furious if Zach Ertz, if Zach Ertz walked out the door. I think it would just completely piss off your head coach and your quarterback. And I think part of how his job is basically appeasing them. And whether you think that's right or wrong, I've read about Patrick Mahomes having a huge um, uh, sort of weight in discussions with the Chiefs. And so when you get a player that that good, and I'm one of those people that think Wentz is that good, I think you sort of give him and the head coach power. And it's the general manager's job to sort of basically build a team that suits them. And I look at that team last year and it just, doesn't fit with what they're good at, which is where my concern with how he sort of lies is I hope now he's basically tried to overcorrect it this year, quite obviously. And um, there's also been a few moves he's made like Danelle Pumphrey and stuff, which sorry, Ben Solak um, never made, never made any sense because it was just completely ignoring any like statistical set of values we've ever seen in the NFL, literally of all time, not a single player that size has ever worked um, in terms of weight but, and height sort of combination. So the there are things thing like that. Like- what does Jim Schwartz have on Howie Roseman? What does Jim Schwartz have on Howie Roseman? That's the only arrogance where I don't see the arrogance in that because he says whatever Jim Schwartz wants to do. He, the the biggest thing that jumps out to me is uh, the Zach Brown signing, that blunder of a signing, because the whole scouting department was saying, "Hey, like Jamie Collins is the linebacker we should target," yeah. and then Jim Schwartz comes in and says, "No, we need to get Zach Brown," and then now he's like, "Yeah, Zach Brown is the guy," and then that completely blows up. But I mean, that's just an example of many other times where Jim Schwartz says. Jim, and then Jim Schwartz gets what he wants. I don't know what <laughs> Jim Schwartz must have on Howie for that standpoint. Because I think if I think we're Jim being quite honest, I'm set on <clears throat> Doug and Carson. Maybe a controversial we're all good with that. Uh, uh, Jim and Howie, these are the guys who I'm evaluating this year. I agree. I, just, no, I do think he's I'm underrated, but I think this year, I want to follow if that, if that secondary the, um, doesn't Johnny, perform up to the par this year, what Johnny uh, said you have about, to start looking um, at him a little bit. The way I look at it, uh, this is a lot to deal with. Criticize Carson first, he has a lot and to like, deal with. would act like that's the place to start with what's wrong with the team when he just hasn't been given like a threshold of talent, like the adequate threshold to even judge him like fairly. Uh, if if the Eagles wide receiver situation goes poorly again this year, 
which like very conceivably could because let's say you know Deshaun can't stay healthy that wouldn't be a surprise let's say Rager mm, you know I agree is even just like okay you know like even if he has like a solid rookie season but he's your number one like it's probably not good enough and then who who that like who else knows what you can even get from the other guys like reliably um probably better than last year yeah but that does, that's not saying anything really when they're so horrible so my point is here it's like it's conceivable to believe that the eagles could have like if not the worst or at least one of the worst wide receiving cores in the league for three out of his five right. seasons and like what are we doing if that's the case like like what is how we doing here like you give and then you also look at one of those seasons too where like they had the, the worst running back situation in the league you know where josh adams is your leading rusher i mean wendell freaking smallwood johnny's least favorite running back ever arguably he's the eagles leading rusher He's the leading rusher of the Doug Peterson era. Like, think about that. That's just crazy to me. Like, when you think about, like, this, all the Dak talk, Dak versus Wentz talk. It's oh, like, my goodness. Dak has so had he a running is, back. He is my least favorite. You can just, like, yeah. you can give the ball to, like, a billion times a game if he's having a bad time. Or, like, this puts Dak in an incredibly favorable situation. Oh, it's not, you know, because, like, yeah. you're always getting positive production when you're giving the ball to Zeke. Like, it's just kind of crazy to me that and frustrates me when that people would look at, like, to, to kind of what you were saying, Johnny, like I, I would just think it would be a huge disservice if like, and, and I don't think they're, they're even near this point, but at some point down the road, like if they got rid of like Wentz or Peterson first as like, if that's the yeah. problem, like that's not where I would start. At least what things have gone to this point. Yeah, that would be insane. Yeah. Oh no, that'd be a mistake. Just that would be one, a franchise. One last thing mistake. I'm going to raise. One one final thing I'm going to raise. Then we need to call it, uh, Manny, because it's late over. <laughs> it's late in my time Tuesday night. Um, but there's one thing that I wanted to mention mm-hmm. off that point. Actually, something I've been meaning to write about for ages is I'm convinced, and I've been convinced for ages that how he has this view still does. It goes back to the Eagles to like the 2000s, where wide receivers and running backs don't matter that much. Doesn't mean you don't draft them. Doesn't mean you don't want them. But the idea is, if you've got a stud quarterback and a stud play caller and a great offensive line, the old adage you win in the trenches, blah, blah, blah. Um, you can then make do. And I think that is an outdated view. And I really hope um, that they've now corrected that. And I think they have, but just drafting Sanders and drafting Rager doesn't mean you've shifted philosophically. It just means you might need those players. But I think you've clearly seen Andy Reid. And I know I wasn't watching the Eagles as much as you guys when you go back 15 years. Um, but I know from watching a bunch of stuff, reading a bunch of stuff, that the Eagles struggled with receivers, but when someone like Terrell Owens for a year. And I think it's been a philosophical opinion of the years that the Eagles have had. And I just think the modern day NFL, it's hard to play defense. It's hard to cover teams. I think you basically need as many fast offensive weapons, guys that score the ball in their hands as you can get. And Howie has not delivered that. And I'm hopeful. I think Sanders is excellent. I think Sanders is the first one we've got. Um, and I think hopefully Rager is the second. Um, Deshaun, obviously, but if he plays. So I'm sort of, I think Howie has to shift his mindset. I think he's been brought up and he's been schooled in an Eagles philosophy, which is if the quarterback's great, the head coach is great, we can block we can make the rest work. And I think you look at the modern day NFL and making the rest work isn't good enough. You're going to have to score 40 plus points to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I mean, I strongly believe no defense is going to stop that team scoring. Um, They are far too talented. You can try and get a few turnovers and try and win a few more possessions back, but you need playmakers. And I think Howie hopefully has realized that, but personally, I still think he hasn't done enough. And I still think there are too few playmakers on this team and they are relying on probably not just one 
but two rookies becoming actually big play threats this year. Um, so that's my final thing I'd say is I like Howie and I think he's very good at managing cap. I think he's very good from a sort of organisational point of view at building a good roster. I think the offensive line and defensive line have been a real strength in recent years. Um, but I think he needs to maybe shift his mindset slightly. I think he's got a bit of an old school opinion that the Eagles have had philosophically as an organisation for a long time, um, which is sort of offensive skill players aren't as important as other areas. And I think personally that has to change and hopefully it has to uh, in this passing error league in this passing error league. Cause of course once the first quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards with a wide receiver under every, all his wide receivers are under 500 yards. First quarterback in NFL history. It's insane. Yeah, uh, I it when people say that as a good stat, it's an awful stat. And then, no, people it's are embarrassing. It's embarrassing to say, but, yeah. uh, I like your point about Rashad Perryman. That's definitely the wide receiver I would have brought in. They should have definitely added more speed. I do Just think that one was more guaranteed great. player who can play because Deshaun Jackson is guaranteed not to play sixteen games. Like he's not playing a full season. He's gonna get. He's missing some some sort of time, no matter what. Uh, but yeah, I would. I like the Rashad Perryman. Point. It's a passing error league. They need more guys to create separation. That's what Andy Reid's doing in Kansas City. I would like to see it happen here. Maybe they tried that with Hightower, Watkins, and Rager, and it all pans out. That'd be great. Or twenty twenty one. We'll see. All right, uh, that wraps it up for us. Brandon Lee Gotten joins the show. Obviously, go to Bleeding Green Nation. Everybody knows it. I'm like, I don't even need to really give you guys all that. It's the best Eagles podcast, best Eagles network out there right now. So uh, you guys all know them. We're trying to catch up. but Maybe, maybe one day we'll be on the same level. I doubt it. BNG right here. Then we'll be I'm, – I'm fine second place. That's fine. We'll try. All right, but thanks for tuning in, guys. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans use their homes for better living. Whether that be through refinancing your mortgage, accessing cash through your home's equity, or helping you purchase a new home, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333, licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing. Equal housing opportunity. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.